Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 5th, 2016. I did a talk fairly recently about when governments come out to disclose something or admit to something, when they have to, that is, when, it, when they can get out of it, and how they'll never tell the truth. Yeah, that's not just any government, it's all governments, really. That's just the standard technique. Because all governments, from the top right through the civil service to the, right to the bottom, uh, their, their job is to tell the public as little as possible at all times. And if something does leak out that causes any kind of fuss or whatever, uh, lie about it. And if it's just to the, in, to the individual uh, citizen, you'll just lie to them, for instance. Um, and if it's a group of people, then... Uh, and you have to admit to something, admit to a little bit, but then spin it heavily to take the blame off yourselves in government. And they all do this. Every government's the same. You know, every government's the same. I was looking, for, for instance, at uh, nuclear accidents, and uh, which are inevitable, really. But uh, I was looking at the, the one in Chernobyl, and, and re-watching an old documentary I have here on what happened there. And it's very similar to other nuclear accidents that have been in the world, where the first comments or statements that come out of the companies that own the nuclear uh, industry, they come out and, and, and uh, will tell you not to worry, uh, it'll be contained, etc., etc. And they lie, 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 lie. Uh, right down to altering safe emissions, uh, you can't believe anything you're told, to be honest with you. It's that bad. You cannot believe anything they tell you. They'll always tell you, well, they have to tell the public things, or you get panic, you see. So to to safeguard government, and that's, that's what it is, it's government, period, because... The first thing I'll tell you within government is we must keep the confidence of the public. We must keep that. Anything which tarnishes it has a long-lasting effect, you see. So uh, whatever you do, don't really admit to anything. If you have to admit to anything, then it's not really uh, the government's fault, etc., or the the government itself was misled, that kind of stuff, you see. You know something, this is what you used to see in, in the children's stories when you were, when you were young. You'd see them not to tell a lie, you know, little moral stories and so on. Don't tell a lie. And they give you little plays and all that stuff, what happens in the play if you tell a lie. And the consequences to yourself and others. It's a pity that they don't teach this stuff to governments, isn't it? But that's the way they are. And big business is the same. Big corporate business is just the same. It's never their fault, you see. And uh, no matter what happens. And today's news isn't really news at all because everything is so heavily spun and controlled with damage control. And a lot of stuff is put out there too. You don't know if it's true or not. Because the governments are so in bed and always have been in bed with uh, uh, the newspapers and the big corporate owners and so on. That's an essential part of controlling people, is controlling all information. You must have the support of the newspapers for things to work, you see. And all reporters know, too, 
that their little privileges, like getting invited into courtrooms and getting invited into um, parliament buildings for debates and so on, they'll be withdrawn. Little tips from government would be withdrawn if, if they publish a true story on any kind of scandal or corruption or whatever. And that's the way it really is, you see. It's a shame, too, that people will, and understand it and why they do, but people will um, tend to not sacrifice their income and their career in order to get a head in life, as a saying, to get a head, to, to get a name, and to have a, a, some, some degree of recognition and have a, a good, comfortable lifestyle. It's rather sad. And as long as people are like that, I guess we'll always have these problems. When you hear stories like the one I'm going to talk about, very briefly in fact, which admits to something the government's overseen or and it's gone wrong or whatever, you don't know whether to believe it or not. Because remember too, news is also put out there sometimes for to affect the public in some other way. Or to even put someone up as a new hero they're going to use down the road as a high person in politics or even even the head of a country. In other words, you make him the, the kind of hero of the people, you see. And what's turned out here in Canada, here's a story here. And it's a story. That's what they call them stories. You know, children tell stories too. But again, we're given stories, but we're not given truth. And in the news, I've, I've gone through this before legally, um, it's been went all the way to the Supreme Court in the U.S., for instance, that news does not have to ever... Um, there's nothing about putting out news that has to give out the truth. You see? It's not called the truth, it's called news. And news is anything, even gossip or opinions or whatever. So, that's what the, it's just new, it's new to your ears. So, that's it. Anyway, the Federal Spy Agency in Canada here. It says, now here's a wording too, inadvertently shared logs of Canadians' phone calls and internet exchanges with intelligence allies, such as the United States for years, uh, newly disclosed report says. Now, number one, this is the best you've got, right? Supposedly. Do you really believe they didn't know? I mean, come on. Inadvertently shared logs of Canadians' phone calls and internet exchanges with intelligence allies, such as the U.S., for years. And it says, the revelation about the communication security establishment, that's what they call the CSE here, compromised Canadians' privacy while sharing clandestinely captured data appears in a confidential watchdog's report obtained by, and they give the, 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 the different papers that are involved and all that looking at it. But it says, uh, it says they get it from court filings initially related to a lawsuit against the Canadian government. The report said software uh, is supposed to remove identifying information from Canadian material captured by the CSE. Uh, in air, as they say, it's in the air, you see all this metadata. They just captured it. It's supposed to scrub off uh, revealing where, who's sending what, you see. Which is nonsense. We know it's nonsense because how many stories have we read over the past years? 
of the fact that they know everything about everybody and, and they're getting all the data, not just the, the metadata, or we, we know who sent this and where it's going to, but we don't know the content. Come off it. Come off it. Come on. So this is a real story. It's, it's another confusing thing to mislead the people, thinking you're still being kept in privacy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> anyway, it says here, it says the 2015 report puts in sharper focus the spy agency's struggles to protect Canadians from foreign threats, right? while also safeguarding their, their privacy. First revealed January, and this is by the Defence Minister, Harjit uh, Sajjan, and CSE officials. Or is it a story here, you see, to make, to, to boost it into the portfolio for this Defence Minister, Harjit Sajjan, who, who rumours have it that he's going to be a future Prime Minister down the road. This is how you, you get them all read, the public ready to vote for someone, you see, down the road. Anyway, it says the report was written by a retired Quebec judge who heads the office of the CSE commissioner, who is a, the watchdog agency. Well, how can it be a watchdog agency? And how much money did they get and all that if they, if they don't notice? They don't notice what's been happening all these years. Oh, come on, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Come on. But that's what they hand out to us, eh? That kind of rubbish. And it says that in it, he suggests that unlawful seepage of Canadians' phone and internet records to foreign intelligence agencies could go back to the mid 2000s. Or they were doing it long before that. <laughs> and that the overall amount of compromised material is unclear. And it says uh, so this commissioner is urging Parliament to pass laws spelling out how it wants the spy agency to function. Well, the laws are already there, huh? But they've been getting ignored, it seems. The laws are there. So why would you pass out laws that are already there? Anyway, it says the CSC's collection uh, posture has strengthened. Oh, that's, who wrote this? Uh, uh, the volume of metadata collected has increased considerably, he says. And he asked the federal politicians to, to give clearer direction on surveillance. Well, how clear can it be? Uh, anyway, it says in 2014, um, the CSE, that's this agency, it's kind of like NSA, but it's affiliated with it, actually. It could be the same darn thing for all we all ever know. It suspended sharing both sorts of records when it realised its automated system had failed to scrub out what it calls the Canadian identifying information. So they're trying to say that, you know, for years, maybe for 10 years, they hadn't noticed this. Come off, for goodness sake, eh? Anyway, it says, uh, CSE is part of the world's most powerful spying alliance. Since World War II, 1940s, the Five Eyes electronic espionage agencies in the US, in the UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, that's actually more now, even as Israel is part of it now. I was reading uh, a while back there. As we have been working closely together, the collective members cannot eavesdrop on their own citizens. What a joke. What a joke. I've read so many articles over the past years on that very thing happening. But their governments have relaxed their rules covering telecommunication uh, trails such as metadata in the hopes it could help the Five Eyes track al-Qaeda terrorists. What a joke. 
Ay, 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 This is metadata collected and shared on a massive scale can show intelligence analysts who is talking to who, even when the contents of the underlying conversation are unknown. There's no agency involved in spying ever stopped at just finding out who's talking to who, but they don't know what they're talking about. For, oh, come off it. Come off it. Oh, yoy. Anyway, in 2001, Parliament in Canada passed a law which gave the CSE increased abilities to collect the data subject to orders from defence ministers to spell out what it can and cannot do. And um, But they've just noticed that didn't follow the rules on giving all the data, basically, uh, but with phone numbers and all the rest of it, to these allies. What a joke. So this is a non-story, really. And I tell you, most folk won't care about the story because they don't think it really hits them directly for most folk. So it's really doing what? It's giving the impression that the government's doing what you, what you think they're supposed to do and, and find out where it's flawed and, got, you know, holes and all the rest of it. And it also raises this, uh, this uh, how is it, hardship up to a state that's going to keep you in, 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 the, well, in the mind of the voters in the future. And the more stories and get involved this fella with the more you'll, that's how they, they, they push somebody up there into the, the, the public mindset basically so he's on the ball sort of thing and he's on your side you see it says but the CSC can't guarantee it can avoid capturing Korean telecommunication trials Wednesday it says um, Scott Miller attested to this uh, fact in federal court proceeding uh, related to the lawsuit, he said that while CSE does sometimes collect metadata on Canadians, this is a very rare occurrence. Now, what is very rare? I mean, see, we have no proof of anything as a, in the public, you understand? And we're given no proof of anything. And it says the CSE collects metadata, how they do it is a state secret. But it's known that it's gathering, it's gathered in huge volumes indiscriminately. So there you go. This goes on and on and on. But again, it's, it's kind of a non-story uh, because it really it won't bother most folk whether they're collecting it or not, and not not, not nowadays. And um, the laws were already there with what they were supposed to do and what, what they weren't supposed to do. And then you jump to this little story here. And it says that the government denies watering down coal power phase-out. This is in Britain. And it, it talks about um, the government's being forced to deny its watering down its pledge to phase-out unabated coal power plants by 2025. After the energy minister suggested there could be leeway in the definition of uh, unabated. You see, this is all legalities. They pick, they pick a word and they pick it to death, of course, which is um, an old trick. Uh, and say, well, it's not actually breaking this law. It is breaking this law, but let's define it. And if that doesn't work, let's redefine it, what it means. That's, that's, that's like the Constitution of the U.S. They keep redefining what this means and that means in the Bill of Rights. That's what lawyers are for, you know. And it says here, uh, unabated coal is widely understood to mean any... Well, I see this, there you go, widely understood. But by whom, right? 
which means uh, any plants that are not fitted with carbon capture and storage technology, which captures the harmful emissions that cause, and they say, global warming. Uh, one volcano, for, if, you had, if we cut out all the, all, all the, the carbon and CO2 and all the rest of it, uh, which would mean killing us all off, by the way, since we breathe the darn stuff out, uh, then you and the plants would all die off too, you know, if if you if you simply banned everything, uh, which is madness. That's why you when you see madness, there's other reasons behind it all. There's somebody else going to benefit massively, but it's mainly for total control of the way each person across the planet is going to live. But it says here, um, <laughs> I love how they word it, which captures the harmful emissions that cause global warming, they say, for the, for the carbon, for permanent burial. You think it's like a human being, permanent burial, you know. Because this big money we made off conology here, big money, of course, it's the con men that designed it all. It says, but minutes of uh, a coal industry meeting with Andrea Leedsom, the energy minister for Britain, I guess, record that she encouraged the industry to engage in forthcoming consultation. And I'll put these links up tonight on the 2025 closure plans, including uh, on the question of what is unabated coal. Now, the, the whole, you, you have no idea how many things have signed down to be phased out by the year 2025, which isn't far off now, folks. And 2030, and then after that, another bunch of things for 2040, 45, and so on. It goes on and on. Never ending story, folks, you see. Totalitarianism and chronology is never ending, you see. But anyway, it says the speculation that consultation could see the commitment watered down was further compounded with a White House source when they said um, they were quoted in the independent news. They were saying the consultation would consider where coal could carry on burning if it was partially abated, I mean filtered and so on, stored. And it says um, the Department of Energy and Climate Change, it's just amazing you've got an, an official Department of Climate Change now, eh? God's, there's some politicians being made minister of climate change and so on. And uh, he's the he's god of the air and everything. Eh? Just like the ancients talked about it. You know, the, the god Ra was, was uh, the god of the air, everything basically. And the same thing with uh, o- o- Osiris and so on. Everything that what crawled on the earth, flew, uh, dug underneath the ground, worms, everything. Everything belongs to the Pharaoh, you see. Everything. And they're, they're back at it again, aren't they? But using chronology and pretend and, and fudge science to make it all so. Quite something. Remember what Plato said, whatever's been made to happen in the past, the public have accepted and altered, it's been altered their behavior in the way of living. If you understand the sequence of how you introduce it step by step, you can introduce it again. You see, and they'll they'll go along with it again. All this time you use pretended sciences and so on. You see, and the scientists, so many of them are. Oh my God, they're they're really rolling the money now with massive grants for putting out this stuff. If you think nothing, if you think science is is completely. Uh, independent from all politics. Well, forget it. 
when you're living on nothing but grants, folks, you're one of the most politicized groups out there. You'll see whatever your master wants you to say for a big fat paycheck that you wouldn't get as an ordinary scientist with all this hype. But now they're going to save the world. Oh, we need science to tell us what to do. Before weathermen and so on were, were a dime a dozen, nobody cared. <laughs> aye, aye. But there you go. Now remember that almost every year, I try to meet every year, when I remember that thousands of folk die in Britain, in their homes, mainly pensioners, old age pensioners, every year uh, from freezing to death because they, they don't have enough coal or fuel subsidies, you see. Governments involved in every aspect of their lives already over there, totally socialist controlled. And socialism is just a handy term for total control, that's all. It doesn't matter what, what particular flavor tyranny uh, has, it's all the same methodology that, and, and goals are after, you see. So here they are, uh, talking about phasing out coal, coal, coal. Uh, one of the, the fastest, easiest uh, fuels to get out, basically. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, meltdowns and nuclear fission and all the rest of it, uh, and millions dying down the road from radiation poisoning. Nothing like that. But it's been decided at a much higher level, you see, that no, uh, you've got to cut back on, on fuel, period. This is, understand there's depopulation also at work here. You better understand that all you countries who haven't phased it all out yet, you see, a lot of these things out yet, are in for the same thing as Britain. So you or your parents or somebody is going to freeze to death because they can't afford the fuel, any kind of fuel, basically. It's so expensive. They're coming to a place near you. And plus, too, it's meant to get folk out of rural areas, you see. Because it's unsustainable to pipe what's remaining as gas and everything else into uh, to, to the rural areas. So what they put it into cities only. That's, it's all worked out, worked out years before you ever heard about Agenda 21, the Millennium Project, now 2030. It's all the same agenda ongoing, you see. Step by step, getting you to admit, to accept, adapt and, and accept one little bit of the plan after another till you're totally immersed in a whole new way of living. And most people will submerge themselves into it without a thought, without even the ability to look back and say, I wonder what it was like a few years back, because they can't remember. They honestly can't remember. They just simply adapt. Yep. So remember... Agenda 21, 2030, Millennium Project, get them off the land, crowd them into the cities, and then you start with the control over every aspect, food, rationing, everything coming into play, uh, fuel of all kinds coming into play as the economy goes down and down and down and down, you see. It's planned that way. Why do you think all the biggest corporations are on board with it? You think they were the last ones to get on board with something that's going to dip into any kind of company's profits and so on. But nope. Because the big lobby groups will be able to use their particular type of fuel. It cuts out other kinds, so they have a complete uh, monopoly over fuel. 
basically. That's that's what you use. See, if you're big, if you're big, a big corporation or international corporation, you use the governments to fulfill your policies for your profits, etc. Eliminate competition is one of them. That's, that's written in stone with them, unfortunately. There's no such thing as fair play in business. doesn't work. It's a nice idea, but it just simply doesn't work, especially in the U.S. You know, it doesn't work. It's cutthroat. And dirty tricks galore. You know, it always has been, though. But, yeah, uh, eliminate all competition, and then you, then you control everything, basically, in that area. And it's a, a science. Easy done. Simple formulas. And government's only too willing to comply with the big demands of the corporate lobbyists. Now, I think it was last week, just over that, there was the the G7 meeting, the Group of Seven meeting in Japan. And uh, all the, the top countries went, of course. And they discussed, again, nuclear fuel and all the rest of it and cutting back and all the rest of it. All that kind of stuff again. The message is just repetitive, repetitive. You may remember that seven years ago, Obama eventually was awarded a, a peace prize for declaring again in Japan, a trip to Japan, that uh, he would push to eliminate nuclear weaponry. And now, of course, uh, the Japanese are admonishing him for refurbishing and updating all this nuclear weaponry in the U.S. It's just uh, amazing, isn't it, the the nonsense we see for these guys looking for brownie points and then going the the way of their, their big lobby groups and so on. But anyway, he's talking about tour in Japan. He's, he's telling the world that, uh, again, we've got to cut back on... Uh, nuclear fuel, you know, for giving us power and all that kind of thing, too, while he updates the arsenal for the U.S. Quite something. Everything's a bit of a joke, isn't it, really? Isn't it, really? And to show you how Agenda 21, 2030, whatever they want to call it now, to confuse you, of course, and throw you off the trail, we're already getting penalized in rural areas for the cost of living and lots of areas of, of, of living. Everything's more expensive in the north here in Ontario. And um, there's no reason for it, really. There really isn't any reason for it at all. But anyway, it says here, um, the residents of Whitefish, Ontario, that's Greater Sudbury, not far from me, uh, Whitefish, they, they were getting a, a big protest across to Part of the electric system here, uh, Hydro One they call it, which again has is, is got a strange uh, license. I think if it's partly government or it's all government, I don't know. It used to be, at one time we had a, a different system altogether and, and we had decent rates, but then they privatized a part of it and it went through the roof. Anyway, it says the protesters gathered uh, outside one of the, the Hydro One offices, to stop the, the protesting the sell-off of Hydro One. They say that it will drive the rates up, and they want to halt rate increases resulting from lower than expected consumption. You know, And this is what they tell you. You see, if you, you've had all this stuff about use less this and less that, so the folks comply, or have less children, oh, there's not enough for you, we're going to have mass immigration from all over the planet. 
uh, and you think you think it's just accidental. No, it's not. There's reasons behind everything. And then don't use so much water. Don't use so much uh, um, electricity, etc. So if you don't use a lot of electricity and you comply, you see, and then it's oh, what do you put the rates up? What to charge you more because we expected more profit last winter, but you weren't using that much. So you can't win. You can't win. So anyway, it's not men that you win. And then it says here too to stop billing rural customers for line loss charges and to end the ill-conceived smart meter program without passing on cost to customers. Hydro One is taking a lot of her money. Charter said. She's, uh, again, one of the leaders of the protest, I guess. The rates have gone uh, right through the roof to the point where seniors especially are feeling the crunch of this. And she's part of a Facebook group called Hydro One, Enough is Enough. And they've got more than 27,000 members. And they've had protests in several cities across Ontario. And they've had a, a protest at Queen's Park where the, this, the provincial government is too kind of like a state government for those in the U.S., where they met with Minister of Energy Bob uh, Chiarelli. Anyway, the delivery charges for electricity are, uh, are higher than usage in some cases. So just getting just for the privilege of having it delivered in that line coming in your house, uh, the cost for having it uh, is always the same because... It's independent of the, the, the current that you're actually using. So that's extra, you see. And it says that's unacceptable. The delivery rate and the, and the hydro rate is more than our mortgage. More than the mortgage. It's pushing seniors out of their homes and putting them into seniors' homes where the government is getting, again, getting all of their money. By the way, that's what they do. They copied the British system, you see. And by the way, that's what Obama's <laughs> and his boys are all going to be doing. The guys that pressured Obama, at least anyway, the big lobby groups. Because believe you me, what a, what a fantastic uh, boom that they're going to have uh, in, in grabbing all the homes, the older folk, you see. And then all their, all their offspring say, oh my God, they're leaving nothing to us. Well, that's the plan, folks. Uh, you know, the government's going to grab it all and sell off your home. What's going to cost us a lot of money putting Grandpa in there? It might only live three months. It doesn't matter. They grab your home and they sell it. They keep all the cash. That's the system in Britain. That's the one they introduced into, into uh, Ontario. Bob Bray's government did that. I grew another socialist, of course. I, wonder, I love how socialists always help their big capitalist buddies. That's quite funny. Anyway, it says here, much of the city is served by greater Sudbury utilities, but about 30,000 residential customers in Sudbury buy electricity from Hydro One. And they would get a better deal from the local distribution company. Of course they would, but again, big, big business is big international monopoly and they, they will not have any competition. They will put competition under, including the folk at the top of it, any way, and I mean any way, they can. That's how things really, really work, folks. And that's just how it goes. And that ties in with... Um, this story here. Outdated rule may force Quebec City uh, senior, a senior, an elderly guy, to sell uh, his house for his wife's care in the hospital, you see. 
So it says, Neil Batterton's waiting to find out if he will have to sell his house to pay for his wife's care in a public long-term residence. His wife, uh, Muriel, has Alzheimer's. And uh, Batterton, 71, uh, was her caregiver for nearly six years until he was diagnosed with cancer. So he's got cancer and his wife's got Alzheimer's. He was forced to enroll his wife in a long-term care institution known by its French acronym CHSLD after his daughter told him he was putting his own health at risk. And this is he cried for days, even weeks, when he, uh, for, when he took the final decision. It's up to the last minute he hesitated, but the couple doesn't qualify for financial help from the government to pay for the costs of long-term care. And Batterton says he can't afford to pay for the costs on his own. He says, they're forcing me to impoverish myself, he said. I don't have a choice. Doesn't make sense. Uh, the Batterons have a combined monthly income of, of about $2,000 drawn from their public security and pension plans. It costs him roughly $1,008 a month for Muriel's care in the, in the, uh, the facility. In spite of their modest income, however, the couple doesn't qualify for financial help. That's because the Provincial Public Health Insurance Agency, uh, REMQ, stipulates that individuals with more than $2,500 in liquid assets are not eligible for financial aid to offset the cost of long-term care. And that rate was fixed, by the way, in uh, 1983. And it hasn't changed. Even the cost of living is way up yonder, and the dollar's worth less and less and less and less as they print more money or paper. doesn't make any sense because he doesn't have large incomes, as Judith Gagnon, who has the Quebec Association for the Defense of the Rights of Retired and Pre-Retired People. Anyway, the Quebec Ombudsman released a report in 2014 that described REMQ's guidelines as lacking a consideration of the human aspects of placing someone in long-term care. There's a lot of work to do, he said, kindly says. We have to get back to 2016. And uh, it's just amazing. Well, that's what happens, you see. You know, in the papers, you have all this great PR for the politicians. Their names are always mentioned, the folk involved, but bringing in immigrants with no money and from third world countries by, you know, as many as they can, and throwing money and yada, yada, and all they do to, to get them settled in and and housed, etc., blah, 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 blah. But the folk have been living here, once you're here, folks, believe me, once you're here, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, it's just awful what they can do, isn't it? And um, th- this story should be as big as, as, as the immigrants coming in, not just to the, what's happened to this fellow and his wife, but just to lots of folk across the whole country. It really is amazing. How we can just throw billions in all the wrong directions, but um, but you won't spend it at home. We all know that the nuclear fuel is a problem when it's used up, because they don't know how to, to get dispose of it, and something that lasts about half a million years uh, is not something you can just bury and for, hope you forget about it, because someone in the future might just dig it up by mistake, not know it's there. And you get fault lines in the earth, etc., where they burn this stuff deep, and uh, they crack, and uh, leaks happen. There's so many, 
documentaries out there about uh, the barrels that they dumped into the sea off England and different places, and uh, radiation levels have just been increasing and increasing, and the stuff's getting washed up onto beaches and so on. So anyway, uh, it's really a crazy, crazy system as to, to use uh, uh, at least the present system of nuclear power. It's just, it's just crazy, crazy. And here's to do with Fukushima too. 600 tons of melted radioactive uh, Fukushima fuel is still not found. The cleanup uh, chief reveals. We don't even know if it's went up in the air, that stuff, or what, you know. But they say they hope to locate and start removing, so they know where it is. So if you don't know where it is, how can you just locate it and start removing the missing fuel from 2021, it says. And um, the fuel extraction technology is yet to be elaborated upon, he added. I guess you can try to find <laughs> scattered across the whole planet <laughs> and start adding it up. I don't know how you'd do that <laughs> with a, a weighing machine or something. It says, following the, 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 the tsunami which caused 2011 meltdown at Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant, uranium fuel of three power generating reactors gained critical temperature and burnt through the respective reactor pressure vessels, concentrating somewhere on the lower levels of the station currently filled with water. And it goes through what happened uh, in a blow-by-blow account, basically. But this is the official estimates that approximately 200 tonnes of the nuclear fuel debris lies within each unit, which makes in total about 600 tonnes of melted fuel mixed up with metal construction elements, concrete, and whatever else was down there. It's five years after the tragedy. They still haven't stopped all the leaks, by the way. They, can't, they don't know how to do it. Says the exact location of the highly radioactive runway, or runaway fuel remains a mystery for TEPCO, the company that runs it. But you understand, you'll never get told the truth on big, big screw-ups. You'll never get told the truth. As I mentioned already, the documentary I was watching on the Ukraine uh, talked about this incredible, the incredible makeshift techniques to try to, to to dampen the damage that was done uh, on the plant, that plant and that uh, went up. And uh, they used thousands of volunteers to drop sandbags and things like that, thousands of them. And, and they brought 500,000 of, I think, army volunteers and different volunteers and even mining volunteers. And uh, before... These guys, they're all in their 20s pretty well. Uh, before they hit 40, I think 250,000 of the, the 500,000 were, were gone or dead. Even though the government admits that, but they, they only admit that four died during the, because of the accident. <laughs> it's quite something how they can play games like that, isn't it? Isn't it something? But... Uh, and they're still having children born over over there uh, with uh, all this. Actually, the same kind of genetic malformation you saw with thalidomide, because you can really change the genetic structure through chemicals or radiation, as we well know. And these, these young children look just like the thalidomide children of the 60s, whenever, whenever it was. But... Uh, it's just, uh, they can't even send the robots in, in Fukushima, same as it did with the Ukraine 
tragedy because the radiation literally uh, screws up all their, their, their electronics completely. Goes through everything, but the guys in in Russia, I mean, you got to say God bless them because uh, those those guys all gave their lives to try and and stop it spreading, and uh, more and more folk getting contaminated. It's, it's tragic. But of course, when you're young, you don't think you're going to die. You know, it's the same as and that's the army. You know, that's what happens. Otherwise, you'd never join up. If you started recruiting nothing but, say, 40, 50-year-olds, they would join up, which would be pretty good. Then they wouldn't be killing each other on behalf of big corporations and governments. But that's just the way it goes, isn't it? Now, to say, that's that's what happened at Fukushima here. They've lost all this stuff. They don't know where it is. They've lost so much of stuff into the air. It's spread across the world pretty well. And uh, it's spread across... <laughs> Even the one in Ukraine spread across uh, a good part of Europe. Gorbachev, on the documentary I saw, who was the president at the time of uh, the Soviet countries, he said that, uh, you know, it could have rendered Europe uninhabitable. If it had had a second explosion, that's what would have happened, he said. And that was backed up by another so-called expert at the top there as well. It floated across Sweden, contaminated there, and in Norway, down south, all the way to France. They didn't put a word out about it, by the way. <laughs> and to Spain, across the channel, through Britain. The only thing Britain ever did was to tell them to try and avoid drinking milk for a week like that. Stuff that's got a half-life of half a million years, but just when I mean, it falls in the grass, just don't drink milk for a week. But they treat you like pff, morons, don't they? Don't they? Really, they do. Come on, let's admit it. Let's all admit it. Eh? It's like trying to, to you know, humour some, again, senile person. Let's pretend they're all senile, the, the general population, and tell them children's stories. Like, don't worry about it. The experts are managing it fine. There's nothing to worry about. You know. Meanwhile, they and their, their relatives and children, if they have any children, down the road will be deformed and dying of cancers and all that. Why not just tell the truth? Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where truth was actually spoken about? Not not selected truth or anything, but truth in all the different, all areas, eh? Not just agendas, because they can make agendas sound awfully truthful by excluding all other parts of their story, you see. Which can contradict what they're trying to push. So, you know, I mean real truth. Wouldn't that be really nice, eh? Wouldn't that be nice? But that'll never happen, any pie in the sky. It's kind of like what Machiavelli said, because he, you know, he wrote, uh, like many of them, like Francis Bacon did too, they, they wrote for for kings and princes, and um, basically like a resume, showing how clever they were for, for as an advisor, if they would just take them on. So that they would give you these little little anecdotes of how he managed the people, the mob, how he 
how to confuse them, lie to them, use them, and all the rest of it. How to increase taxes without them noticing. All these things were done long ago. Nothing's new. But he, he, he's talking about craftiness in business, you see, and things like that. But he says, Everyone understands how laudable it is for a prince to keep his word and live with integrity and not with cunning. Nonetheless, experiences show that nowadays those princes who accomplish great things have had little respect for keeping their word and have known how to confuse men's minds with cunning. In the end, they have overcome those who preferred honesty. <laughs> there you go, we. Eh? Has anything changed, folks? It's actually worse now because they've got all these sciences to do how you scientifically confuse the general public through neuroscience and all the rest of it. And, and the massive marketing companies that have sciences all within themselves that know us from A to Z, basically. <laughs> Quite something. But that's what you get, isn't it? We, we, get, we get told to play and be happy and don't look at anything negative especially anything that might kill you or, or deform you or something, but um, or turn you into something that looks like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Just happy and watch television. You know, that's, that's what we're told all through our lives. That's, that's, the, that's how you've been all been trained, you see. Ignore the negative. Anything that you should know that could be dangerous is called negative. So don't look at that. It makes you unhappy. It's so simple, isn't it, to, to manage the people. With the sciences that they have today. And with the, the nonsensical medias where they, they train you and teach you, they tell you the truth. Come on, eh? Come on. Now, here's the thing when they start reducing any options on power, you see. Then you have a monopoly with, with the gas industry, say. For heating yourself and so on, so that's when they shoot up in price. We we got it. You want it? Pay pay what we demand. That kind of thing, you see. And uh, there's no comp if there's no competition, that will definitely happen. So you'll have a, a cartel running all the gas industry. If it's not there already, I'm sure it probably will. Is natural gas and so on. And then again, they can't run the natural gas into the the countrysides. They'll say, oh, it isn't feasible, and blah blah blah. You see. But they can run it into cities. Again, you're going to get pushed into cities. They want you off the roads. It's been quite made quite plain by uh, the push to not get rid of your automobiles too by, but, you know, 2025 or something. And um, it's all planned. See, the future's always planned. You think you're, you're, you're your own person and you're free. You're brainwashed to you think that you're free. They keep telling you that. But if you're really free, you could make your own choices on things. Well, they say, well, you can still make your own choices. I mean, we're not stopping you living in the country. You just can't heat yourself, you see. You can't do that. You can't heat yourself. And you can't travel to, to any cities out to, to get uh, groceries or anything. No, 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 because you won't have a car. Quite simple. You're coerced into everything that's been planned for you. Everything. You're coerced into it. Forced, in other words. You understand, they want a tidy world map. We know urban sprawl and, and 
and rural sprawl, all scattered. No, they weren't all, us all stuck in the same places, you see. It's all planned. It was planned before I was born. I've seen all maps of it, too, from the big boys. Boys up at the top who've mingled and are in the same class, basically, as that elite ruling group, old families. Put this in their novels, and various, like George Orwell, who controls the past, controls the future. Because, you see, if you're living in the present, which you know, a second from then, as soon as you've said it, is now the past, uh, then, then those who shape all the, the policies and so on, uh, and the culture, your culture is always getting reshaped all the time to suit those who rule and who control and who own, you see, everything, including you and countries, nations. Uh, they're always getting you ready of how to see things. Don't see things naturally, they tell you, you know. Why don't you look upon it? Look at it this way. Well, what was wrong with the way that you were looking at it? No, they'll say, look at it this way, you see. So that's the first thing they do. Then they'll teach the children to look at it this way until they can't think of it any other way. They think it's all quite natural, no matter how, what kind of ridiculous system it is. So those who control the past always shape everything in that period when it is the present to be the future which they designed to suit themselves. I've mentioned all this before years and years ago. An archive session at cuttingthroughdematrix.com is full of, of uh, my investigations and all this kind of stuff. And who controls uh, the present controls the past. Because those who control the present are always having their their, 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 their proper new historians in every generation to rewrite the history. And every time it's rewritten, it omits an awful lot of awfully important stuff. And it changes things too, in other ways as well. I've got books from different, many generations, and it's just astonishing, astonishing how so many chunks of it is just gone now, you can't find it. In other parts, things here never happened or didn't happen the way it said at the time. I mean, it's quite something. To, to see how it's already been done So George Orwell wasn't simply making stuff up He was talking about it the way he, he knew It was already done And had been done long before he came along too You have to remember too That so much of your indoctrination As I've mentioned over and over for years Is from fiction Your, your firewall is down The mind has no firewall Remember that? And so you're being entertained. Why should your firewall be up? It's put out there for you to have fun with, right? And bingo, all the, the embedded political correct updates are just boom, banged out there and you just soak them up. Over and over and over and over again until you, you'll start parting it yourself. You will. Four legs good, two legs bad. You will. And that's how it really works. It's so simple, isn't it? So simple. And people have, as uh, Russell said, Burton Russell, and others who worked in the big, big associations and think tanks who gave us and drafted up and wrote about the changes that would happen from the 1930s to the present time. Everything from fashion to everything to promiscuity would all be pushed, pushed, incrementally, right to the present time and beyond, in fact. He said that. 
we shall train them to listen to only to experts, not so they can't think for themselves. They won't trust themselves to always listen to an expert, even if their own common sense uh, already had a, a diagnosis on something, say. They'll say, I think that's that. But along comes the expert and says, no, no, and, and it confuses them, and they'll listen to the expert. And everything, that's how it works, you see. So he said, well, well, we'll train them so they can only do things by the advice from experts, on the advice from experts. And he said that their government will tell them they're free, and their government will keep telling them, keep telling them that they live in the best country in the world. And that's exactly what you hear. Oh, it's still the best country in the world. This matter what country it is. Oh, it's still the best. You're the best healthcare. You're the best this. You're best. That's what they keep telling you. And you're brought up to believe it all. Why shouldn't you? I mean, no one grabs you as a child and says, "Hey, whatever happens in this world, hang on to your brain," because they want it. No one tells you that. So you're not your unsuspect. Why should you? Why should you be kind of paranoid about things? Why should you be? Why should you be paranoid about things? Your parents might not be. Probably aren't. Because they've swallowed their indoctrination and they start passing on to you. As soon as you can understand mama and dada, you know. That's how it works. And then school takes over, as I say. And then you're indoctrinated very fast, parrot, repeat after me, repeat after me, repeat after, don't think, repeat after me. Now getting back to nuclear energy and so on, yep, it's deadly stuff, deadly. But remember this, as I say, monopolies are already planned, which monopolies are already planned and decided who are going to control everything. And I'm sure they're giving their stacks, their bribes out too, because that's how things also work to make sure everybody of import goes along with things, you know. And, as I say, when there's no competition, you're, really, you're, you're at their mercy. That goes for anything. You're already, you're, I mean, there are countries now that are, that are at the mercy of Monsanto and all these other companies. That, I think Monsanto's now absorbed another company, but, so they see, you know me. But, um, remember that uh, these, these companies hold nations to ransom when they have got all the farmers using their modified seed and they have to go back every year to get this stuff. They can't just save the seed. They got to, it belongs to the company through patents. They can't use that seed again. And they have killer Terminator genes in it, so they can't do that. Whereas before, farmers were and had the ability to be independent and totally self-sufficient. So, so nations now are, so when you do the same thing, you do it with your food, <laughs> do it. The meat packers have got all the, 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 the meat rigging up uh, that they want because they run it all. The meat packers have, are a combine, uh, not, not the producers of the, of the meat and beef and pork and so on, but the meat packers are. They're the boys that do it. Very small combine for the whole of, the America, of, of North America, basically. Quite some. So there's your there's your there's your vegetables, there's your meat, and now you get your power, same thing, you see. 
remember that it always happened so many movies for a long time where oh there can only be one the hero is always one you're the one yep the Highlander oh it can only be one everybody else gets annihilated you see so there's one and you all lap that up not realising the esoteric meaning behind it too <laughs> of the guy sitting laughing in the big business suits at the top but that's how it works you see and you don't realise, you don't realise that choices, when choices are really taken away, uh, is serious stuff. Very, very serious stuff. And then when they take away gasoline, then you can't go long, long distances in the country from one place to the next, or one city to the next. Control, 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 control. Because your little electric car, if you could even afford the darn thing, never mind the upkeep of constantly replacing the parts or the motors and all the batteries and yada yada yada, because they don't last long. Or they'll go on fire just by charging it, the heat's just enormous. But it certainly won't go long distances. Isn't that handy for controllers too? The first thing controllers do is limit travel. And you need all your permits. You must stay in your own little authorized area. Isn't that how it works? But you put under the guise of to save you all. It has to be this way to save you or the world will end. You to give up step by step, like Machiavelli said, use cunning. They use cunning. And they do it today through the scientists, behaviorists, psychologists, neuroscientists, and so on and so on and so on. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, where it's pouring rain right now. It's good nights, and your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>